Yes, Father. I shall become a cast. A podcast? Specifically this podcast, the one you're listening to. It's called A Cowardly Superstitious Pod. And it's about the television show Gotham. And it's hosted by me, Nate. Uh, you know, I'm cool. I, you know, people like me. Um, they like to be with me. Around me. I mean, anyway, I like the show Gotham. And with me is my friend Josh. And he's alright. You know, 6 out of 10. Take, take him or leave him. He's kind of the, um... He's kind of the, uh... What's the... Um, it's like the I Frankenstein of people. <laughs> and he hates the television show Gotham. And you should say hi to the people, Josh. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to our podcast. We are so excited to have you this week. Uh, we're getting into something I'm really excited about. Uh, this episode is about the legend of Ghost Goatnam. The story of goats saving troops in Vietnam. Goatnam. Goatnam. It's a bit of a stretch, but I'll <laughs> allow it. 12 points to Gryffindor. Actually, this show is about the television show Gotham, like I said earlier in the episode. And so the story of Gotnam will go unsolved yet again. We are talking about season one, episode seven of the television show Gotham that this show is about. It's called A Cowardly and Superstitious Pond. <laughs> but the episode we're talking about is called The Penguin's Umbrella. And uh, man, I think maybe in the first episode, or early on in the show at some point, I'm sure I've repeated this sentiment several times. I've talked about how the show just kind of moves really fast and there'll be like whole episodes where basically a season of television happens. This is one of those episodes. There is a lot going on in the Penguin's Umbrella. Yeah. Well, you've got Falcone and Maroney sort of trading... Let's start off with this, actually. Let's start off with the fact that he's alive! Yes, Fish Mooney finds out that the Penguin is alive. And reasonably loses her shit. But in a weird Dr. Frankenstein way. Uh, yeah, she gets, she's, it's a very over the top reaction. So, <laughs> one current of this episode is the tension between Falcone and Maroni that has arisen because the penguin is alive. And so we get them sort of trading blows back and forth, doing crimes on each other and killing each other's dudes, uh, eventually escalating to a scene where they basically have a negotiation over the fate of the penguin. The end result being that Maroney gets to keep the penguin in his crew. There will be no, he won't be killed. And Falcone will gain possession of a piece of land called, in, a piece of seemingly worthless land called Indian Hill. And then while all of this is going on, Gordon is dealing with the fact that the fact that he killed, he didn't kill the penguin has been exposed. And he launches a insane plan to arrest the mayor and Falcone. It's a real big Hail Mary. All of the cops, except for Bullock, abandon him. Yeah. Uh, Bullock, at one point, punches him in the face, mm-hmm. saying, I thought we were friends. And he's going to shoot him, too. He's going to 100% shoot him. In the locker and room of the police station. The most nonsense scene. Because they're clearly not friends. Like, in the past six episodes, they, they got that tolerate each other. They got that hobo shoe burger together. Yeah, does that count as being friends? No, not really. And, like, the I get his reaction to it, but, like, he's freaking out and about to murder Jim in a locker room because Jim didn't murder some dudes. 
Well, because Jim put him, he vouched for Gordon, and now his neck is on the chopping block. No, I too. get, I get that, but just like the whole. Oh, it's very extreme. Execution is extreme beyond measure. You'd think your first impulse would just be to leave town. Yeah, and especially for a character like Bullock. Yeah, whose sole deal is that like, he's supposed to be so, unreliable. It's so much easier for him to leave town than to kill another cop in a locker. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. This feeds into a theory I developed watching this episode specifically. Gotham is a tabletop role-playing game campaign, and the party is the Penguin, Bullock, and Gordon. Bullock is played by a guy who always rolls terribly and built his character shitty, so he has bad stats. The Penguin is played by a guy who always rolls amazingly, and then Gordon's kind of in the middle. And so Bullock just can't leave because it's like, well, I can't have... The game is set in Gotham. I can't just have my character leave Gotham. I'll have to make a new character. So instead he has to bullshit this confrontation with Gordon, which goes very poorly because he rolls bad. I guess I could see it that way. But still, it's just weird execution of that whole... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then the end result of that whole, let's arrest the mayor... A bunch of stuff happens in between, which I'm sure we'll get to as the episode goes on. But the end result of the let's arrest the mayor plot is... Weird. Weird. Basically, Falcone uses Barbara as leverage to get Gordon to not arrest him and the mayor. And then just kind of, like, lets them leave. Yeah, and uh, Barbara is the worst. <laughs> like, like the, the but, worst. But the jerk squad is redeemed. Yes, surprisingly. They do a good thing. But I do want to roll back, because I think you're jumping all the way to the end. I want to talk about stuff in the beginning. And no, I'm trying to give people a, a feel for what the whole episode is before we dive into the specifics. No one cares about the episodes. They, they listen for us. Yeah, but I want them to have the context before we start talking about stuff. Fair. So, like, th- I think that's pretty much... Is Does anything happen with Bruce in this episode? Uh, yes. Something I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah, when they go to Bruce's house, and him and Gordon just have a conversation. That's really all that happens with Bruce, is he has a conversation with Gordon when Gordon is scared about getting killed by mobsters. Mm -hmm. And maybe having to leave town. So, I want to go back to the beginning, now that I think you've kind of given the episode synopsis. Um, (laughs) And I want to talk about Butch. Yeah, Butch gets a lot to do in this episode, more than he's had in in any other episode. So in the beginning, when um, they're all aware of Gordon not killing the penguin, they immediately send Butch and another guy to Barbara's apartment to kidnap her, or I think just take threaten her as a hostage, her. or threaten her, or something. But I just want to talk about how up he was with the creepiness. Yeah, like he went out of his way to not only sniff her and get uncomfortably close. But I'll start to ask her about her weight. Yeah. Which is like... I think We the get it. <laughs> idea is that he's... I think we're... Su- I don't think we're supposed to think that Butch is just a creep. I think we're supposed to believe that he's playing it up as part of his effort to intimidate her. Because he's being real cartoony. And we see him be more reasonable at other parts of the show. Yeah. It just... It feels like he's like coming out of a really animated comic and i mean i kind of like it but also it just felt like oh i didn't real like it weird. it's bad no, i i liked it because it's like over the top like again like the reason like fish mooney can get some points is because she's just real campy and over the top and butch is kind of following suit in that but it just it was way too weird yeah everything else. but on another note butch does maybe one of the best things that's ever happened in the show or any show which is during that sort of escalating brinksmanship between Marone and Falcone. There's a part where Butch and the gang 
like have to stop a Maroni moving truck. Yes. And the way that he stops it is by creating a barrier out of live nuns. <laughs> Which was amazing. And what was really funny about that, I'm really glad you brought it up, uh, was they threaten the truck drivers that they stop at the barrier of live nuns that no trucks will get through Gotham. Which implies that the nuns are just going to stay there. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he literally kidnaps a whole group of nuns just walking down the street and chains them up to barricade a truck from getting through. It's amazing. It's like the, the thought process behind it is incredible, too, because it's like, well, they got to stop for the nuns. And if they don't, they're going to feel real bad about running over all of these nuns. <laughs> I'd love to imagine that that didn't work. And the truck killed all those nuns. And then he has to go back to his boss and say, look, I tried to stop it, but they just don't care about nuns. Not <laughs> like, a, who would think? This Mooney's just like, not again, Butch. <laughs> not, not again. Enough with the nuns. No one cares. But it worked. Uh, which is good. That scene, I like that scene a lot. There's the whole thing with the nuns, which is ridiculous. And then he, he like, he's having this very reasonable conversation with the two truck drivers where he's like, well, you you know, you got to look roughed up because we're, we're threatening you. That's the whole point. And they're like, we'll tell him that you were very threatening. And he's like, yeah, you know what, whatever. And he just shoots them both in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> Which then, like, they cut away. But then there's got to, like, off screen, there's a scene of these two truck drivers, like, helping each other up into the truck. Or Butch helps them. Either option is really good. <laughs> well, nuns on luck as they're chained up. Yeah, what do those nuns go back to the convent and they're like, well, we had a day. <laughs> and that's the last we see of those nuns, too, which is like leads to my theory that they were left there. <laughs> Are the nuns supposed to be like a deliberate, like, visual reference to the penguin? And if so, why? I have no idea, and I severely doubt it. There is a thing that in this that does turn out to be a deliberate reference to the penguin, which is Buck Wild, and I wrote it in my notes in all caps. <laughs> go for it. Which is just, I'll just read you the note. Uh, the chickens were foreshadowing, you stupid bitch. I don't know who I'm talking to in that. Probably myself. <laughs> yeah, um, him having chickens is weird in itself. Uh, when Fal- when you're, you're talking about Falcone specifically, uh, when Falcone has a meeting with the rest of his gang to talk about the fact that Penguin's still alive. Yeah. And for some reason, at the same time he's hosting this meeting in his weird warehouse, he's also touching chickens to see if they're good. I don't know. Yeah. How do you tell if a chicken's good or not? I don't know. But then they turn out to be foreshadowing. Which is nuts. The chickens are foreshadowing because he's friends with the penguin who is a bird. (laughs) The penguin shows up at the end of the episode and talks to Falcone in his chicken coop. Yeah. It's nuts. They were like so close to making them pigeons, right? And they were like, he can't have literal stool pigeons, right? I just, like... They were like, oh no, the chickens are more subtle. That was a conversation that happened. Even then, outside of itself, it just doesn't make any sense for him to, while during this mob meeting, just be fondling chickens. Like, it's it's real weird that this is happening anyway, no matter what. Well, I think the idea is he was going to go do this chicken thing anyway, and they were like, we need to talk to you, Falcone. And he was like, well, just I'm doing the chicken stuff. Just talk to me while I'm doing the chicken stuff. I would argue that. However, they've met in this place before. That's when true. he was not doing chicken stuff. So he specifically, maybe he did that, but maybe he told the chicken people to come to his secret meeting place. Okay, so it was the opposite. He was going to go to the meeting place, and then he was like, oh, fuck, I got a chicken shipment today. All right, all right, all right, all right. bring the chickens to the crime warehouse. Yeah, 100%, which is like, 
worse. How many crime warehouses do you think there are in Gotham? Probably a lot. In fact, I think um, next episode we'll talk about how they're pretty much half of Gotham. Yeah. Um, I want to um, actually go to an offset line at the beginning of the episode when Gordon's doing his Hail Mary plan and asks for all those pre-signed warrants to yeah. get the mayor and Falcone and Maroney. And he offhandedly, weird, weird way to do this, he offhandedly says, give me the signed warrants from Judge Bam Bam. Yeah. What? I... And no one questions that. And it's just a thing that he says. And it's like, What? Okay, I'm the, just imagining the little toddler from the Flintstones being a judge now. Well, I mean, he's just a go- judge with a silly nickname. Bam Bam. Bam Bam. Judge Bam Bam. It's just... It's, it's probably a name... His name is probably, like, Judge Bambino or some shit like that. It's still real weird. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, like, whatever. It is, it's weird that it's never been referenced before, and then they just say it like we're supposed to be like, Oh, yeah, Judge Bam Bam. <laughs> he signed all those warrants. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Uh, kind of going back to the meeting, I wanted to talk about how ridiculous it is after they have the meet, mob meeting with Falcone and Fish and another guy, uh, Russian guy, Nikolai, I think his name? Nikolai, yes, that is his name. Um, where, like, they have the meeting and then literally not two steps later, away from Falcone, they start talking about their plans to take him down. In the same warehouse, in earshot of the guy, they're like saying, hey, he doesn't know anything. And... Apparently Nikolai and Fish Mooney are having a thing, and uh, he like is fondling her, and it just it feels so. I think we saw them fucking in a previous episode. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just like like they have all the secret plans they just lay out right next to the guy they're making plans about. Yeah, but he can't hear him all the way over in the warehouse. He's doing chicken stuff, and he's old, and it's so dumb though. Sure, I mean, it's dumb, but, you know, lots of things are dumb. Hear that, listeners? He admitted it was dumb. Point to me. I, I, I admitted the show. The show is dumb. That's part of why I like it. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I got a thing. You, I don't remember if this is on the podcast or not, but I was like, oh, Gordon and Bullock are the boys, and you were like, no one calls them that. That's just you. Falcone calls them the boys. He does it. He says it on screen. So I was right and you were wrong, and that's a point to me. And now we're tied. Damn it. I can never get ahead. <laughs> I do want to talk about my favorite part of the episode. Oh, I, I wonder if it's the same. Is it Victor Zaz? It is Victor Zaz. Because Victor Zaz is the best. This is, I love him. <laughs> this is I think this is impressive because I think this is maybe the one and only time where this show's version of a character is better than the comic's character. Agreed. I don't like comic Victor's ass. I think he's pretty boring. It's weird that he has, like, managed to muscle his way into being, like, a member of the official Batman rogues gallery when he's just, like, a generic serial killer. Yeah, he's pretty much just a psychopath in the comic series. He's in Arkham, in and out, and he just he's known for the guy that, like, carves numbers into his body of people he killed. Yeah, but I don't really see, like, he gets, like, this position where it's, like, Oh, if they do, like, a series of action figures about, like, Batman villains, they might do his Zazz, or he shows up, like, in the files in uh, Arkham Asylum, and it's like, why is he... I don't understand why Comic Zazz has any higher position than, like, the Dumpster Killer, or any number of generic serial killers that Batman fought, but I really like him in this show. Yeah. Because he's so over the top, and I think he sets up an interesting thing about, like... The nature of villains in Gotham. Because he's essentially a supervillain. He has a ridiculous name. 
He's willing to be incredibly dramatic in a way that normal organized criminals aren't. Like, he just shows up to the police station in broad daylight and has a shootout in the middle of the police station. And it, I think it's like, Zaz is a supervillain, but he has been co-opted by Falcone, who has given him, like, a position and a focus that has kept him from being, like, a pure agent of chaos. Well, he's basically, in my opinion, he's actually a good version of Bullseye from Marvel. He's very Bullseye in this. Because he's not just, like, a, I wouldn't call him a supervillain yet, maybe, but I would call him, like, the definitely, like, a top assassin. Yeah. And, like, they refer to him that way. And he comes in, he demands all this respect, he's very well-dressed. He looks like a psychopath, because he's bald with no eyebrows. Yeah. For he's, some got, he's got a very, like, dramatic look. He's got, like, dark circles around his eyes. Yeah. So, I really like that. And, uh, when he comes into the police station... But he's he, got themed the, henchmen and everything. He's got two ladies in, like, ridiculous outfits who follow him around. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, they're, like, real steampunky outfits, too. Yeah. Like, real goth. Um, but when he comes to the police station and, like, demands, uh, Jim Gordon and, like, tries to get him, he does this thing where he says, like, everybody's staring at him for a second, and then he says, please! Like, it's a demand? Yeah. And it's amazing. And all the cops literally leave. They all, this, like, lunatic walks in, stands on a desk, and demands all the cops leave so he can murder a cop. And they all leave. Like, this show is really doubling down on, like, every cop except for Bullock and Gordon and Essen is bad. Not even Essen. In this episode specifically, she leaves. Well, Gordon tells her to leave. But she still leaves. She does still leave. And she feels bad about it in the next episode. And we'll talk about that in the next sure, episode. Sure. But I don't want to redeem her just yet. She leaves another sure. cop to die. Okay. So as far as this episode is concerned, the only good cops are Gordon and kind of Bullock. Well, not at this point. Right now it's just Gordon. And they have a shootout in the police station, which is amazing. It looks great, too. Like, one of the better... Like, this show has had some good fight scenes. This is one of the better ones. And then he does murder a cop. But there's some random lady cop outside in the parking lot. Who apparently missed the meeting and was just wandering around saying, hey, what you doing? Yeah, she shows up to work late, everyone's gone, and then she gets murdered by this bald lunatic in the parking lot. Yeah, you just feel real bad for her. And then he, he does the thing where he carves the number into us. Yeah, uh, but he's great. Um, there's a point later in this episode where he gets a phone call while he's with Falcone, and his ringtone is gotta move on. No, it's Funky Town. Yeah, I know. I'm saying, like, it, it, he's oh. the gotta move on part of Funky Town. Yeah. And it's just like, that's amazing. Yeah, it works great because only a fucking psychopath would have Funky Town as their ringtone. Gotta move on. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really am impressed with Zaz. Yeah, that guy's great. Did you watch Barry? Uh, yeah, I did not like Barry. Oh, wait, he's in Barry. The guy I plays Zaz. I recognized him from that, and I liked him specifically in Barry. I just found the show to get real boring and not have any characters that I cared about. I only watched the first episode of Barry. <laughs> I liked it, I just never watched the other ones. I got four episodes in and found Bill Hader's performance lacking. Because mm. he's playing a character that has like a Dexter-type attitude where he's like just like a blank slate killer sort of thing that's trying to get into acting. And he's Bill Hader, and it's like, if you're going to cast somebody who's... He wrote Not that, though. animate. Why are you casting Bill Hader? Bill he Hader's wrote that so for great. himself. It makes no sense. Um, anyway. He's also in The Flash. Uh, but it's a weird thing where he's in The Flash and it's good casting, but they don't use it. He's the like Mist, mm-hmm. which, like, is perfect. Like, if you've read Starman, then, like, that guy playing the Mist makes perfect sense. I've read Starman. I like, that's, um, that's a good choice. But then he doesn't really do anything. He's just, like, a villain in, like, one or two episodes. Weird. You know, I always thought Bill Hader would actually make a great Riddler. 
He would be a good Riddler. I, I could see that. I don't know if I've ever seen him play something where he's just like a straight up villain. I think he'd be good at it. Anyway, uh, you brought up earlier Montoya and Alan actually saving the day. Yeah, they um, come in at the end of this the gunfight to save Gordon. And yeah, they and they have the real Han Solo moment, which I actually thought was really well done. Yeah, so Crispin is Chewbacca? <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. It's not racist. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I really like that. Um, them coming in kind of it semi redeem them. They're still terrible. Uh, I mean, they apologize and they save his life. So they're yeah. they're like all right. I think I think I can at least say they're at zero now. If they continue to be jerks, then they'll go back to being the jerk squad. I don't know what to call them now. <laughs> Just the squad, I guess. Well, uh, later on in the episode, uh, in a really weird scene, after they get Gordon, they go to Bruce Wayne's mansion. Sneakily. I don't understand why. Yeah, well, I don't know go- why they have to sneak in. I guess they're worried that maybe Falcon or Maroni's people are watching the. It's, I think it was just. I to me, it makes sense to just have it be a random shit where it leaves time for Jim and Montoya to be alone, so she can apologize for her creepy behavior to Barbara and how terrible she was to him earlier. Yeah, because otherwise, it doesn't make sense. But Alfred gets to beat up Crispus, which is great. But then they go in, and one of my favorite parts of this episode, because it's so much nonsense, is he goes to Bruce Wayne and says, I can't do this anymore, so lean on Montoya and Allen, they're good detectives. He basically, it goes to his boy they're boss. not good detectives. And they're not good detectives! <laughs> That's my second point. But he goes to his boy, he goes to the, his real boss, which is Bruce Wayne, apparently. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry I failed you. Like, I get that he's investigating his parents' murder, but it just, it feels too close. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's real over the top. This makes sense if he was already Batman. Yeah. Doesn't but, make sense. That he's a well, I mean, he apologized, he, not apologized, he promised Bruce multiple times that he would solve the murder of his parents. So, like, I understand him wanting to, but, like, just call him. Yeah, or, like, a letter. And just, like, say him on Twitter. Like, they don't have to be there. And they have this weird scene where he has to, like, bow in front of the kid and say, these two will take over. They're good detectives. They have my sword, sire. And they're not They will serve in my stead. There's really no reason. (laughs) They're the worst detectives. For Jim to think they're good detectives. No, only case he's ever seen them evolved in is when they got super wrong. And on top of that, like, the only reason, like, he has to label them as good is because they backed them up. But they're not good detectives. Here's the thing. They are good relatively because the only other police in the city are the guys that abandoned him to get murdered by Victor Zaz. So they're probably the best cops in Gotham as far as he's concerned. Which is not high bar. No, no, not at all. So I just, that scene is just over the top ridiculous. Um, And then we get to Penguin's Kill Count, which rises so high this episode. The scene's dope. Plus seven. Where he leads um, Maroney's top dog henchman, which I, he has a name, but I don't remember it. He calls him, the penguin keeps calling him by his name in the scene, and I still can't remember what it is. That's okay. Um, and they kill off Nikolai and all of his henchmen in this warehouse, another abandoned warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, racking up all those abandoned warehouses and yeah. go <laughs> And then after doing so, they look over the bodies and lead henchman of Maroney is like you know I'm onto you you're a snitch we should never trust you and he's fucking 100% right yeah <laughs> then it turns out that he betrays him by paying his men more 
he goes into this kind of ramble about how everybody has their like secret and like how you can like go over everything and like weird thing. So like which brings me- us to the word of the pod, which is love. Because love conquers all. Yeah. In this weird scene where he pays the other guys to hold the lead uh, henchman down while he stabs him to death and then kisses his head and tells him love conquers all. Yeah. He also stabs him in like the most physically awkward way I've ever seen somebody get stabbed. Like he does not, I, I think it's good acting because he does not look comfortable holding that knife even though he murders people all the fucking time. Well, I think what's best about it is like the intention was to make him suffer. Mm-hmm. So, like, he stabs him bad on purpose. Yeah. But I like your attention to detail there where he's, like, not comfortable holding a knife. Because he's... I think he's more comfortable getting people to do his bidding. Yeah, yeah. And that's real penguin-esque. But, like, the mechanics of the scene is just, you don't pay your men enough, so I paid them, and now they will betray you. But the way he conveys that is by going, everyone has a thing they love, and you, sir, you love money. <laughs> like, it's... Rules. He's the best character in any show ever. <laughs> Huge props to Robin Lord Taylor. Seriously. Um, but the way it's done is so dramatic and over the top. And just the love conquers the whole thing. And the whole love speech in general makes love the word of the podcast. But there was a runner-up. And that runner-up for the word of the podcast was Goose. Goose? Yes. Because we're going to talk about the Golden Goose. Oh, Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> That's a really good scene, too. That's a really bad scene. The scene where, like, again, uh, before they kill off Nikolai and the lead henchman of Maroni, um, I kind of remember his name at some point, they have a scene with Maroni where he's telling him, like, where he can go to, like, take down Falcone after they stop the trucks with the nuns. <laughs> and the lead henchman is questioning this because of how the penguin's a snitch, and... Uh, is it really worth going to war over the penguin? And he's like, this is my golden goose here. <laughs> and the penguin's like, Hong Kong. And then Roni stares it up and he's like, what? And he's like, Hong Kong, like a goose. And then Roni's like, yeah, Hong Kong. <laughs> it's so bad and funny at the same time. I think it's, I don't think it's bad. I think it's intentionally funny. Like the idea with Maroni is that he's not smart. He's just ruthless. Yeah. And, like, the thing with the penguin, the reason the penguin is going to inevitably beat him, like, this is the idea, right? Like, Falcone is really smart and principled, but he's, like, gone soft. Mm. And Moroni is really ruthless and vicious, but he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then the idea is, like, the penguin is smart. He's as smart, if not smarter, than Falcone. And as ruthless is not more ruthless than Moroni. So he will ultimately defeat both of them and become... The, the big crime bird of Gotham. Sure. But just the whole, yeah, Hong Kong. <laughs> it, so it makes it, I don't know. I like, I like that scene a lot. It made me like Maroney. It was just that he's just like, yeah, okay, sure. I got the joke. I definitely got the joke. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, that's why Goose is almost. Frankie Carbone is the name of Maroney's henchman, the one that. You just looked that up? Pen- yeah. Because Penguin keeps calling him Mr. Carbone yeah, in the scene. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so after that whole thing, we finally see Bullock teaming up with Jim, kind of, in one of the most ridiculous ways. This scene is, this whole sequence is very weird. Well, first off, where the hell is Jim? He's in Barbara's apartment. Is that still Barbara's apartment? Where is she? She That there's a clock. She just has a clock in her. No, it's like, 
segmented from like outside where like you'd see the clock face like on the oh yeah her her apartment is like where does she live and also how big is it it's huge it's a huge penthouse and it's like in a clock tower that is nuts what's even more nuts is we've only seen like maybe two rooms of this apartment before this scene so like for me to assume that it's the same apartment like it's real hard I'm almost 100% sure that's supposed to be Barbara's apartment. She's, as far as Jim knows, she's left town at this point. We know that she's gotten scooped up by Falcone. Oh my god. Yeah, so, that happens. Gore, Bullock shows up with a lady friend. Called Duchess. Is she supposed to be a prostitute? Yes. Okay. 100%. He calls her the Duchess of something. I don't remember what. And he's super he, he's drunk. super wasted. And he comes in saying, here, here's Duchess. Uh, we're going to go out. We're going to go out together. I'm going to go fuck Duchess. That's it. Yeah. The, the thing is, like, this seems very goofy. Like, he's got this woman and she's, like, her presence is clearly supposed to be comical. It's a little mean on the show's part to play her as a joke. Yeah. But, like, it's weird because the scene is so goofy. But what's actually happening in this scene is Bullock is saying... Hey, I don't care if I live or die. Right. Like, but to undercut the seriousness of that, for some reason, they had to introduce this whole prostitute thing. And then he goes and he, he definitely fucks her off screen in Barbara's apartment. Yeah. Which, that's weird. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> like, okay. Cool. Like, I'm glad that that's canonical. That happened in the show. But now Bullock's uh, his Jim's ride or die, and they're going off to the sunset together. And they go to arrest the mayor. <laughs> the mayor's great. I love every scene the mayor's in. He's so good. Yeah, I, I love that actor. <laughs> the part, like, at the end of the episode, once, like, things have settled between Falcone and Gordon, and they start talking about, like, killing people, and the mayor's just like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I got an appointment. See you later. Farewell, gentlemen. And he just, like, walks out. <laughs> it's real great. But they try to, they try to arrest the mayor, and they... Somehow blackmailing him into letting, like, using him to get into Falcone's place. Yeah, yeah. And then they have a scene with Falcone. It's real weird, because they try to arrest him. Yeah, and he just, he's just like, no. You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I have Barbara. It's actually, I think, pretty cool. Like, the, the way that scene is set up where he's like, I have Barbara. I'm not gonna give you any proof. If you don't believe me, we'll kill her. Make your decision. You won't know because you're dead. And that was good. Um, but, like, he explains that Barbara came to him begging for Gordon's life. And, like, then we find out that was true. And I'm like, oh, my God, Barbara's, like, the worst. She sucks so bad. She could have just left town. It would have been fine. But then, like, honestly, then the end result of that probably would have just been Gordon dying, right? Like, he would have went to arrest Falcon and Falcon would have just had... Zaz bust in from the side room and shoot Bullock and Gordon. Yeah, sure. Probably also the mayor. <laughs> sure. The way they write Barbara is so confusing. It's I, I want to like her because I, I want a strong female character in the show, mm-hmm. but we've yet to find one. They don't know what to do with her character because she's so, her deal... It, well, it's a couple different things, right? Because she's based on a character from the comics. Not the good Barbara Gordon who becomes Batgirl. But the Barbara Gordon that's really only in Batman Year One. And that character isn't even in that story all that much. Her whole thing is just that she realizes, like, what Gordon is doing when he gets in over his head, like, trying to be the good cop in Gotham. And she leaves him Mm -hmm. and takes their son, who doesn't come back for until Scott Snyder starts writing Detective Comics. 
And is never referenced up until that point either. Real weird. Uh, and then, so, like, there's not a lot to go on. Like, even the characters, like, Bullock is kind of pretty different than, like, the comics character. But at least there's, like, stuff. Like, we sort of know what that character's deal is and how he fits into Gotham. So I think there's that. They don't really have anything to go on. And then also, she's supposed to be Gordon's love interest. And Gordon is only in love with Justice. Yeah, that is true. Like, um, I find every scene between them completely unbelievable. She goes over the top in about how much she loves Jim. Um, and he does not seem like he's capable of love. I mean, he definitely cares for her. doesn't want her to get hurt. Yeah, but I feel like he cares for her in the same way that he cares for just, like, everybody. Like, okay. He's like, I will protect you from crime. <laughs> and he's just like, that's it. I guess. But it just... Her going to a mob boss and begging for the life of somebody. It's like, we all know how that story ends. It's Yeah, you get, real, you become a hostage. Real dumb move on your part. Yeah. It's not redeemable. I, I wish she was better. I wish she was too. I mean, there's really only, there's, what, two good female characters in the show so far? SM and Mooney? Uh, I mean, well written. SM we don't see that much of. Mooney is over the top, and she's great for being over the she's top. She's a compelling she's... character, though. I don't get mad when she shows up on screen. I find almost every scene with Barbara to be frustrating. Yeah, and I don't want to like us to become the people that hate Skylar White and Breaking Bad because those people are terrible. I know. I don't want to be that either. But it's just the way she's written is very illogical. Yeah, so no, the show is dumb, and I think she gets like the brunt of it. Definitely. Like, also, the problem is, like, Bullock is fine. Bullock is written to be dumb because part of his character is he's dumb. Maroney's the same way. But, like, she's not supposed to be dumb, and she's written to be as dumb as both of those characters. Yeah, I don't get it. But I want to put that aside. I want to talk about the surprise twist ending. We talked about this kind of a little bit, but I want to get more into it um, because it's nuts. You just talk about the memento fucking flashback? <laughs> the way they do that scene is ridiculous. Let's give credit where credit is due. It's a kind of good twist. Sure. You know. But no, it makes sense for the most part. Definitely makes sense. <laughs> 100% makes sense they let him go afterwards. But just like the whole thing where. Um, we have that memento flashback and Penguin gets visited by Falcone after they hung up Jim and Bullock in the meatpacking Yeah, so basically we get to see more of the scene where Penguin requests that Gordon be the one to kill him. Right, because he knows Gordon won't kill him. And he pitches Falcone, he pitches Falcone on that, which is like, I want Gordon because he's the only, like, trustworthy cop, you know, in, he's the only like, good man or whatever he says. And then Falcone retorts with, yeah, but you're a snitch. Why should I let you live? And he's like, because I'll be your snitch. Which is amazing. It's the ultimate, it's like the biggest version of the trust me or kill me speech he's given yet. He says, <laughs> I'll be your snitch for life. Which yeah. I took note of that term specifically. So he, his whole plan was to infiltrate Maroney. Come back to Gotham, infiltrate Maroney's squad. And <laughs> that means he planned the whole thing from the beginning. His plan was, because he gives him the, immediately gives Falcon the information about um, uh, Mooney and Nikolai plotting against him. That's his, like, secret to get on board. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, I'll, I'll leave, and then I'll come back, and then I'll infiltrate Maroney's organization, and then I'll be your snitch in Maroney's organization, which means 
everything that happened was part of his plan. It was like, I'll swim down river outside of the city, and then I'll call, hitchhike back into the city, and then I'll kill a guy for his shoes, and then I'll poison these guys with a cannoli, and then I'll be your snitch. I mean, I like to think that a lot of that was improvisation, and he just had like the steps in his mind. Oh, but sure, I'm sure it's that's real what it was. funny. It's real funny to go back in time and think to uh, think that he was in Falcon's pocket every step of the way. Yeah, but then it's like I think there was a lot of stuff that was like portrayed as being like providence, where he's like. Oh, he just happens to, like, see these opportunities and makes them. But what it actually means is that, like, his, this entire season, his, like, internal monologue has been like, okay, fuck, how do I do this? Yeah. How do I get, how do I make Maroney trust me? Uh, uh, uh oh, shoes! <laughs> there we go! I did it! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's nonsense. But it's great. Um, and then, they don't, at the end of the episode, they don't, like, when they're, he's talking to Falcone and the chicken coop. And your foreshadowing comes to fruition. Yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> Which it is. They have a scene where, like, Penguin asked Jim and Bullock to be let go. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say why yet. He just says, like, trust me on this. And Falcone trusts him. Yeah. That's really weird. And it explains the scene earlier where he, Falcone just lets him go for no reason. But it's still weird. I mean... Because, like, it's so dumb to think that he had them in the palm of his hands. Nobody would give him a shit if he killed them. And legitimately, these are the only two guys that are probably a threat to him. Yeah, when we saw that none of the other cops are willing to stand up to him. Like, he has no reason not to kill them. Just the word of the penguin who says, trust me. Well, the thing they don't bring up in this episode that they have brought up before is that Falcone was friends, or at least colleagues, with Gordon's dad. Which buyed him that one-way ticket to life the first time. Yeah. But then, like, the second time. Like, he specifically stated the first time that I'm letting you go this time. Yeah. But if you come after me again, you're dead. Like, this is the second time. I mean, I understand why the Penguin wants them alive. Because the Penguin is convinced that him and Gordon are friends. And he's playing all sides to win. Yeah, yeah. I get that. But, like, I don't get why Falcone would just go along. I don't think it's, like, smart or great writing. But I think the idea is supposed to be, like, well, I trusted the Penguin on this absolutely insane plan that did work out so like i guess i can trust him with this i don't know what he's getting playing at but the last like after all of that shit like he comes back to gotham he is in maroni's crew and he's feeding me information like not only that now that um like he killed off uh mr carbone he's maroni's number one he's his golden goose honk 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 <laughs> a lot of bird stuff so yeah that that was this episode which is Crazy nuts. Yeah, this episode was wild. I mean, it wasn't, like, quite a Balloon Man in, like, whereas Balloon Man has, like, a very clear, concise, bonkers premise. But this was, like, I feel like this was a pure Gotham in that it was just, like, a million things happening all at once. It's weird because it feels like the status quo is really changed, but it actually isn't all that much. Yeah, and I kind of want to talk about that with the next episode. It's everything... I think what the thing is, is that nothing has changed dramatically, but everything is more codified. Like, it was already like, oh, Gordon is is kind of against the world and the police force doesn't have his back. But now it's like, he definitely knows for sure that none of them have his back. And it was the same... Except for Bullock. And now he knows for sure that Bullock has his back. And it's like, we... The Penguin was already, like, vital to Maroney, and now he's, like, definitively his right-hand man. 
everything is like sort of like the lines have been filled in, but nothing has been like shifted in a real major way. Even though we, it and feels we, like it should have shifted with everything. Else yeah, and we know a lot more now. Like we understand the penguin's relationship with Falcone. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do the villains list. So we did get one new villain. One great new. Yeah, villain. Victor Jazz, who's great in this. Which I actually kind of <laughs> want to bring him to the top. To the t- above the penguin. See, the penguin is great, but Victor Jazz is just. Like, he is everything you want in a crazy assassin. When I compared him to Bullseye earlier, Bullseye is actually one of my favorite uh, comic book villains. and Just because of how over the top he is and how insane he gets. And I think he really just does a well job of not only creating this character for us, but also, like you mentioned earlier, kind of outdoing his comic book character part in his first appearance. That is true. Um, so let me go through the list real fast, just so people know. Uh, at the bottom, number six is the Riddler, Ed Nigma. Who's not in this episode. Not in this episode, but we'll, we'll teaser. He's in a fair amount of the next episode. Yeah. Better than the last time he was a major character in an episode, though. We'll get to that next episode, though. Uh, number five is Poison Pepper Ivy. Who has not shown up <laughs> since the... Is she in the first episode or the second episode? First, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, number four is Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Also not in this episode. Not in this episode. Teaser, she is in the next episode. Uh, number three is Sal Maroney. Does he have a nickname? No. Not- I gave him a nickname and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> not that I know of. Then we got Carmine, the Roman, the the Mamba's boy, Falcone. <laughs> oh, we do get more of that. We see more of him in this episode, him and um, the the girl that... She is, still hasn't gotten a name, right? No. The girl that uh, Mooney is using to honeypot him. Yeah, she makes him blueberry muffins. Yeah, and like, yeah. We're weird. And then number one is Oswald Cobblepot the Penguin. So you're saying you want to put Victor Jazz at number one. I do. Victor the Mr. Jazz. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is, uh, you're the arbiter of the list. I don't I necessarily agree with that. but I feel so powerful. But I understand why. I mean, you, would... you can vote against me. I think the I... Penguin's still number one. I think like. We were talking about, like, oh, the Penguin keeps rocketing up above the number one spot. He still does dope shit in this episode. Zaz does some dope shit, too, but I don't think he's quite... I'm just saying, like, compared to... We've had the... we spent this almost entire season with the Penguin. Yeah. And he's consistently doing good, and I appreciate that. But we've had one episode with Zaz, and he's already amazing. Okay. Like, I want to see this character so much more than I want to see the Penguin, just because of how ridiculous he is, and that's my reasoning. Sure, sure. Okay, Victor Jazz is number one. So now the list is number one, Victor the Mr. Jazz. Uh, number two is uh, Oswald the Penguin Cobblepot. Number three is Falcone. Number four is Maroney. Number five is Selena Kyle. Number six is Poison Pepper. And number seven is the Riddler. I do want to mention that the Penguin is now up to a kill count of 18. He's killed a lot of people. we've seen him get not shot off the pier at Gotham. Yeah, but so we- Jim Gordon is responsible for 18 penguin deaths. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Okay. We've talked about in the first episode, I think. I don't remember. At some point, we talked about like our conflicting views on Batman and his relationship to his villains. And I don't like the idea that like Batman creates his villains. Like, I. But I mean, this show. A lot of why Gotham is going to be so bad for Batman is 100% Jim Gordon's fault. Mm hmm. He just shot the penguin and stayed corrupt. Everything would have been fine. We could have been friends, Jim. Yeah, man. That's the price. If he had kept his nose down. Nose down? Kept his 
head down and his nose to the grindstone. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> his nose down and his head to the grindstone. Okay, well, Josh, do you love Gotham? No, but I did enjoy this episode. Do you hate Gotham? Fuck no. This episode rule. <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> All right, well, until next time, guys, keep doing your bat thing. Yes, do your bat thing. Yeah! <laughs>